Well, bless the Lord. How are we all? Good. I'm going to muster all the energy, enthusiasm, and physical life I have to get this message out this morning. <clears throat> but uh, perhaps you can help me. Would you mind helping me? Thank you. You're so kind. Uh, if you don't mind standing, we're going to pray this prayer. And the idea behind this prayer is you could just kind of sit back there and be a spectator. Or you can take a step forward and say, I'm going to be an attentive listener to the Word of God today. And how many of you know that's a really good thing to do? So we're going to pray our prayer, which is going to appear up on the screen any second now. Ah, there we go. Brilliant. Let's pray. Lord, your Word is alive and active, quick and powerful sharper than any double-edged sword. It is truth and life, health and strength, undeniable and unbreakable, eternal and unchangeable. I boldly declare, I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Holy Spirit, you are my teacher and my guide. I declare that my mind is alert and my heart is receptive to what you want to say to me today. Renew my minds, my thoughts, and attitudes. Make me more and more like Jesus, my Lord. Father, let faith, hope, and love arise in my heart as I hear your word. And as a result, may I leave this place today feeling stronger, bolder, and freer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Take a seat. I don't know about you. I feel, I feel stronger, bolder, and freer just by praying that prayer, if I'm honest. Okay. So let's dive in. We're, we're, we're just over halfway through our attempt to expose the crimes of the pandemic thief. That legion of feisty little demonic pickpockets who've been riding on the back of this crisis and up to no good. Now, I hope that you're but you have the sense that you're beginning to reclaim some of that ground. And I'm confident that there's good news in this. And the good news is that it is possible to come back from this stronger and fitter and wiser and better positioned than we were before. Amen? Now, I don't know how you felt... 12 months ago, 15 months ago, where we were deep in the abyss of this thing. But I am confident there is good news. We can come out of this bigger, better, stronger, wiser, better positioned than we were before. And in part today, I'm going to explain why that is the case. Now, as I said before, I reckon we were attacked in, in two specific areas, particularly during lockdown. Two, two facets if you like, that cut deep into our very souls and that strike right at the core of our very being. And those were number one, our identity, and number two, our purpose. Now, we covered identity a couple of weeks ago, so today's message is entitled, What is My Purpose? Now, without doubt, and we were all there, gaping holes opened up in our lives during those first and second lockdowns. 
you know, for most people, their jobs changed in nature overnight. Some people lost their jobs altogether. Some were faced with, with empty schedules or a loss of routine. Others with, with aborted plans and stalled dreams. Our church lives moved online almost entirely. Our ministry activity was rudely interrupted. For many, it was placed on a long-term pause. You know, our, our ability to meet needs, our ability to fulfill functions and to solve problems, which is, which is so crucial to our sense of purpose, was chronically challenged. We had desires, but no outlets. We had drive, but there was no road. We had titles, but no ministries. We had problems, but no solutions. And if we're honest, we all found ourselves in a hard place. Why? Because we are wired for purpose. We, we all have dreams, we all have drive, we all have desires. You know, those things are good. God, put them there. But then suddenly, almost overnight, some of the things we believe we were fundamentally here for were gone. We felt a little lost. We might say purposeless. And I don't know about you, I speak for myself. This led to some uncomfortable questions, some difficult questions that we all found ourselves asking us in, ourselves in one way or another. Here are some questions. Question number one, what is left for me when the tasks from which I derive my sense of self-importance are gone? That's a really tough question. We all have things from which we derive in our own psyche, our own minds, our own thought lives, that sense of self-important. We all want to feel self-important, rightly or wrongly. When that was gone, what were we left with? Question number two, uncomfortable question number two. What is this showing me about my motivations? Number three, it's a statement really rather than the question. I thought I was doing this for God, but perhaps it turns out I might really have been doing it for me. There are really fine lines in all of this. Am I doing this for God? Actually, if I'm harsh on myself, is it really for me, for my purposes, for my agenda? Question number four, what is my true purpose in God? What a great question. What is my true purpose in God? And what has actually been subtly twisted to making me feel good about myself? Those are tough old questions I've been asking myself. I want to dig into that last one just a little bit more. It, if you feeling good 
is an outcome which occurs when you've served faithfully, that, that's fine. God has no problem with that. But if you feeling good becomes the motivation, that's altogether different. Because it starts to make it about the activity serving you rather than ministry serving him. And you know what? That is a vulnerability that the enemy can attack, the enemy can exploit. Why? Because feelings are fickle. Feelings are temporary and, and they are deceiving and they are manipulative. See how that's dangerous ground? And the reality is, if we were attentive, we didn't have much else to do, that we learned a lot about ourselves during lockdown, and not all of it was easy. To be honest, some of it was quite difficult to receive. Some of it showed that we weren't quite as strong in our faith, in our relationship with the Lord, as we'd imagined. Some of it showed we weren't quite as full of faith. We weren't quite as resistant to fear. We weren't quite as patient and kind or unoffendable and forgiving as we'd hoped. And here's why all of this is such a big deal. You know, purpose is important. We're wired for purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says that you are God's workmanship, created for good works that he has planned ahead of time for you. Jeremiah 29.11 says that God has plans for you, and those plans are good. You know, the Holy Spirit inside of you is there to be unleashed, is there to be released for kingdom purposes. And all of that is bubbling on the inside of you. And all of that was bubbling on the inside of you during lockdown. So, no wonder the enemy attacked your sense of purpose. No wonder he sent out his, his legion of pandemic pickpockets with a job of undermining, of chipping away, of asking awkward questions, of sowing huge seeds of self-doubt. You know what, folks? We should not be surprised. Everyone has had their sense of purpose challenged over the last year or so. But the good news, the good news is today is Resistance Day. And it is possible to come back from this stronger and fitter and wiser and better positioned than we were before, if, if we heed the lessons. If we attend to what God is or was trying to teach us, if we recognize that God is an expert at taking what the enemy intends for harm and working it for his good 
and for his glory. Amen. So with that in mind, we're going to look at, at a passage today. We're going to look at John chapter 15. This may come as a great shock to some of you as we unfold this one. I'm actually going to read the first eight verses and then I'd love to unpack it in detail. We just don't have time. So there's just one or two things we're going to zero in on. So John 15 verse 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Good stuff. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's a really familiar passage. There are lots of really important principles in there. Let's unpack that a little bit in our context. The first thought, I think, the first place you have to go, really, is to ask in this passage, who's who? Who's who? Okay, three. Number one, Jesus, he's the vine. Hopefully, in your mind, you have a picture now of that kind of Mediterranean vineyard, and there in the middle of that field is this vine. Jesus said, I am the vine, number one. Number two, the father is the gardener. Old King James called him the husbandman. Some versions call him the vine dresser. Number three, you, you are a branch. This is Jesus' words in verse five. He said, you are a branch. Do you know what? That is your identity. But number two, you also have a responsibility as a disciple to produce fruit. And that is your purpose. So we have identity and we have purpose. Pretty simple, really. But guess which one of those comes first? It's crucial, as we'll see in a second, that we get the order right. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 said, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Okay, listen carefully. You are not a disciple because you produce fruit. You're a disciple because you are a branch. Bearing fruit, as it says here, bearing fruit is the way, number one, you, you show yourself to be a disciple. And number two, it's the, it's the way that you give glory to God. Now, when I read uh, John chapter 15, there, there are three factors, 
themes that stand out to me. The first one is identity. You are a branch on that vine. The second thing is, is relationship. It, it's connection. There are, there are lots of verses there that talk about remaining in. Other verses talk about abiding in. So number one is identity. Number two is relationship. And number three is purpose. Because healthy branches produce fruit. But you know what? The order here is very significant. Because of your identity, because of your identity, you can have unhindered relationships. And out of that relationship flows purpose. It is not the other way around. And the key, as I read here, is that purpose comes out of identity. You, you don't find your identity in the successful fulfillment of your purpose. Your identity comes first and stands alone. Your, your identity, you're a branch, it's who you are in Christ because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. You don't find your identity in purpose. You find your identity in Christ. And you find your purpose in relationship. Here's a line if you're dutifully filling in on the handout. I think this is one, one that's on there. Purpose is what flows when you are secure in your identity and close in your relationship. Folks, it is not the other way around. If we get the order wrong, we become misaligned. If it's purpose first, we become self-driven. We become performance motivated. And ultimately, we become insecure. But you know what? The pandemic challenged all of that. Never before, I think it's fair to say that never before had your purpose been brought into such stark question. And if there were any existing cracks in your armor, the pandemic only succeeded in widening them. Particularly if the enemy could convince you that you are what you do rather than who you are. You know what, this was a significant test for all of us. We all had wins and losses. And so with that in mind, we've really got time for one key from John chapter 15. Reading verses 2 and 3. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Here's the point. Pruning is an essential part of the fruit-bearing process. And without doubt, it has been apparent for us all to see there has been a whole lot 
of shaking and stirring going on everywhere you look. Once we realize that that much of this has been pruning at the hand of the master vine dresser, I don't know about you, but for me, that that really helps. See, we've noticed that the pandemic thief is an unashamed exploiter of crisis, and he has paraded himself all over this global pandemic. But, but God has also been at work. God has been at work in powerful and effective ways, just altogether more subtly. You see, the enemy's work is loud. God's is usually quiet. The enemy's work is destructive. God's is constructive. The enemy dismantles, whereas God rebuilds and restores and redeems. The enemy's work produces short-term fireworks, but God's produces long-term transformation. And you know what, as it comes to those two, we've witnessed plenty of both over the last 20 months. And you know what, uncomfortable though all of this has been, I believe we will in time see what God has reframed in all of this. We will will see processes that he has accelerated. We will see new birth that maybe at the moment is still in gestation. And when we look back, we will realize that the enemy didn't really win at all. You know, the enemy has been too busy making noise and pruning his feathers to realize that the Lord has been masterfully moving his pieces across the cosmic chessboard. There is only one winner, folks, and his name, King Jesus. So what has God been up to? Without fanfare? Unheralded? It's been subtle, it's been skillful, and yet it's been powerful. Verse 2 again in the Amplified. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing, he cuts away, he trims off, he takes away, and he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. What that tells me, that tells me that every person in this room has been going through a period of pruning. You know what? The reality is the master vine dresser has been pruning. Now, I looked up the word pruning. Um, In horticulture, pruning is the removal or reduction of parts of a plant, tree, or vine that are not requisite to growth or production and are no longer visually pleasing or injurious to the health or development of the plant. So now you know. I want to tell you some truths about pruning. But eight. Truth number one, pruning is biblical. Because I just read it 
in my Bible. Deep point. You know, God is a pruning gardener. Pruning is what God does, and he is very, very good at it, and there are no benefits whatsoever to resisting. And smile so you don't throw things at me. Number one, pruning is biblical. Number two, pruning is good. Repeat after me, Uncle Jamie. Pruning is good. Though it might sting a little, you are always, always better off for pruning. Number three, pruning is essential. You just will not get where you want or need to get without it. You just won't. You just won't get the harvest you desire. You won't get the outcomes you're dreaming of. You won't get the fruit that they need without some pruning. Pruning is essential. Number four, this one is good news. Pruning is seasonal. You know what? God knows the right time. God knows the right place. God knows the right way. You just got to trust him. Number five, pruning is inevitable. No one is exempt. Go back into the New Testament story. Think about Peter. Feed my lamb. Think about Paul. You know what? Pruning is inevitable. It is coming your way. Folks, this is good news. Number six, pruning is uncomfortable. Why? Because flesh gets lopped off. I think that's a technical term. Flesh gets lopped off to make room for the spirit to grow. Flesh gets lopped off, whether that be pride, whether that be self-sufficiency, or self-importance, or personal agenda. That is going to have to be lopped off to make room for humility, make room for grace and for wisdom and the like to flourish in their place. Number seven, pruning focuses growth. We have in our back garden, we have a prickly bush. I I know no more than that. It's large, it's a bush, and it prickles, and the bees like it. Okay. Anyway, basically, this bush, since I last attended, has literally grown in every direction. And it's overlapped so much, I think, over the veg. It's overlapped about four feet over the edge, made cutting the grass interesting. Fortunately, there is now no grass under it because it's had no light, and the grass has all died. Last week... I had to hack this thing back. And the reason I do that, and I'm not an expert, and I'm trying things out and learning, and often it works. What I found is that if you cut it back in the right way, you can cut it so that it grows up rather than out. 
In other words, you can prune it so it grows in the right direction. Glad. Do you know what? God prunes us so we grow in the right direction. The reality is you are growing, you are evolving, you are, you are changing, but not automatically in the right direction. That's where the master gardener comes in. And then number eight, this is where the real experts kick in, and I just hack the thing back. Number eight, pruning reshapes a bush in the form or the image that the gardener wants. Here's the scoop. The gardener is going to win. I've got big you know, loppers. I am going to win against this bush. And the reality is you can resist, but if you do, the offending item will eventually get lopped off if you read John 15. I don't know about you, that list makes me feel a lot better about the idea of pruning. And oh, that's a good job because without doubt, the church is currently experiencing pruning. I'm pretty sure you are too. And I know that I am. And the good news is that God has been at work in us all through the last 20 months and there is no sign of that stopping. So, what has he been doing in you? Have you noticed? Have you been... Have you been cooperating? Or have you been inadvertently resisting? You know, sometimes we think the enemy is messing with us when actually the Lord is pruning us. Actually, I think it's normally a spot of both. But you know, the fact remains, Romans 8.28, we know, we know that we know that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And that verse was, was true long before the pandemic. That verse will be true after the pandemic is long gone, if it ever goes. You know what, that verse was true right slap bang in the middle of the pandemic. You know what, thank God that he loves us enough to prune us. Whether that's you personally or, or us collectively, you are a branch. And Jesus is the vine. It all comes back around to Jesus. And the Father is the vine dresser, and he is exceedingly good. Okay, so how do we respond to this? What's the challenge coming out of this? Well, we're going to zoom this right in, and I'm going to ask some leading questions. Okay, and, and, and initially, I'm going to tell you, uh, <clears throat> this is what God has been doing in you over the last 20 months. Four things. He's been doing them in you, and he's been doing them in me. Letter A, or number one. God has used the COVID saga to 
to cut off dead wood. Could be aspects of your life, could be agendas or activities or or little detours that you found yourself on that frankly just needed to be cut away. And though a little painful, the pandemic may just have allowed God to accelerate that dead wood being cut away. Number one. Number two, God used his pruning knife to file off sharp and jagged prickles. We're talking here about about those feisty and resistant character flaws that just needed addressing. Why? Because they were hindering your purpose. They were hindering your ability to bear fruit. So the master vine dresser took out his pruning knife and he's been snipping, snipping, snipping those flaws away. Here's what God's been doing, number three. Some of what God has cut away could have been to refocus your growth in a new direction. You know, we can get stuck in a rut. We can keep doing the good and miss the great. We can keep defaulting to the old and thus resist the new. Could be that it's time for a new season. Could be that it's time for fresh priorities and reformatted dreams. Some of what God has cut away has been to refocus your growth in a new direction. That's good news. And then number four, this is the best news of all. After a while, Skillfully pruned branches start to produce buds and new life. And you know what? All dreams and plans might have died. What new thing is God birthing in your heart in their place? You might already have, have noticed that process starting. If not, then it will. So keep your eyes open. Invite the worship team to to come back up, if that's okay. And we're going to take this now into a a response time based on those four statements of what I believe the Lord has been doing in you. And my encouragement for you all, I, I don't know how far down this journey, this process you are, But the reality is that God has been pruning you. And God is pruning you right now. And if you want to bear fruit for the kingdom, that process is going to keep on going. So the invitation here is to engage with the Lord a little bit and say, okay, Lord, what are you doing? What have you been doing in me? How have you been doing it in me? Why have you been doing it in me? Those are big old questions. And I'm going to encourage you to take them to the Lord this morning. Four things we've just done. The number one, dead wood. Here's the prayer. Lord, cut it away. Just needs to be done. Number one, dead wood. Number two, sharp edges. Lord, file them off. 
because I want to be more like Jesus. And then number three, number three is corrected direction. The prayer goes like this, Lord, I trust myself into your hand because you see the whole picture and I yield myself to you. And then number four, thank you for the song, Ali. Number four is new wine. The prayer goes like this, Lord, I want to bear fruit. Lord, Lord, would you bring my gifts and my calling to life once again? Would you bring glory to you in all that I do? Would you help me to recognize those shoots of new life and may those shoots open and flourish and may they produce much fruit for your glory. What we're going to do is the worship team are going to sing over us. I'm going to encourage you to respond. You can respond in, in various different ways. You can respond right there where you are. That's fine. If, if there's something in there that's jumped up and down inside of you and you'd like someone just to pray the word of God over you, I'm going to encourage you to come to the front here and, and our prayer team will come and they'll just gently draw alongside you. You don't need to Give them an essay, just give them the highlights and they'll gladly pray the word, the blessing, the impartation of the Spirit over you. If, if you, you're feeling impelled to come to the front and do business with God, but you'd rather someone didn't pray for you, then I just suggest you head over to this area, this corner over here. Then you can pray to your heart's content and the ministry team will, will let you be. But you know, this is real. We've all been right in the middle if we're still going through this. I think the worst thing we can do is for it to have happened and us just to totally deny and ignore it. My encouragement is, is there's new buds, new life, there's new wine that's about to flow. We all have in us this deep burning desire and need to produce fruit for the kingdom because God put it there. This is your opportunity today to reconnect, re-engage, and re-consecrate that to the Lord. Amen.